As Zoe stepped through the doorway, she had the oddest sensation of falling from a great height through thin air and landing in treacle. Just moments before, the doctor had said that a force field might switch on at any time, but even he hadn't expected that they would be triggered by just one person going through the back door. After all, it was a distress call they were responding to. As it was, the doctor would just have to search outside with Jamie. Zoe was not expecting this rescue mission to be too difficult. After all, a crashed spaceship would surely not be hard to find on Earth in the 1960s. Apparently, it wouldn't even be disguised like the TARDIS. Should be. Apparently, it was far too primitive for that. Quite how the Doctor knew this, and the fact that its plasmatic drive unit was hidden inside a small residential bungalow, she was not entirely sure. He'd been in one of his evasive moods when the TARDIS had landed. The Doctor had simply told them that the spaceship was probably damaged, and that if the rain got in, then there would be a catastrophic reaction with the unstable power source. It seemed logical that the alien owners would put the power source in the building to keep it dry. Zoe picked herself up off the kitchen floor and looked around. Fitted linoleum, a pop-up. It was just like she'd seen as an historical reconstruction in the virtual museum she enjoyed as a child. She turned and looked back towards the doorway. As she'd feared, there was no doctor following her, just an opaque, swirling pattern of colours across the doorway. Zoe reached out to touch it. There was a sizzle and a bang. Ouch! She withdrew her burnt fingers blowing on them. She knew that plasmatic drives could generate impenetrable force fields to protect the vehicles they were fitted in from intruders. Hello? Is there anyone home? There was no reply. Zoe went through into the living room. It was completely deserted. A small coffee table was set for a family tea. Each of the plates had a half-eaten scone on it. There was a pair of carpet slippers in front of an armchair and a child's doll lying half-dressed on the sofa. A television in the corner was buzzing with white static. A breeze down the chimney disturbed the cold ashes in the grate and she shivered, feeling suddenly vulnerable. The loud, insistent hiss from the TV was irritating, drowning out thought, and she stalked across the room and switched it off. A deep hush descended on the room. Is anybody here? She called out again, as much to break the smothering silence than with any real hope of an answer. Nothing. A sudden thought struck her. The back door might be blocked. But what about the front door? Or perhaps she could climb through a window. Zoe pulled back a curtain and recoiled in horror. Not only was the swirling pattern of the force field emblazoned across the window, but etched onto it were the images of three faces stretched into grotesque masks of agony. A man, a woman, and a young child. Controlling her fear, Zoe let the curtain fall back in place and stood for a moment, gathering herself. She felt angry and afraid, but now wasn't the time to panic. The plasmatic drive was a bomb with a short fuse, and there was no way she could escape without finding it.
As she searched, it crossed her mind that she wasn't sure what to do with the plasmatic drive when she did find it. She certainly didn't feel like helping aliens who murder innocent children. She let out a sigh of despair. She looked in every cupboard, opened every drawer. She'd checked under the furniture and even behind the cooker. Alien technology shouldn't be too hard to detect, even if it was small. She went through into the hallway. To her right, she could see the swirling force field through the glass in the front door. It seemed to cover every possible exit from the house. It was then that Zoe heard the voices. Quiet, babbling whispers from inside one of the bedrooms. A tingle of fear ran down her spine and she froze. Scarcely daring to breathe, she strained her hearing to the limits. But try as she might, she couldn't make out what they were saying. Summoning up all her courage, she took a deep breath and reached for the door handle. The voices stopped abruptly. Her ears rang in the silence. She was about to open the door and go inside when she caught a flash of light from the corner of her eye. She whirled round, heart thumping wildly, and saw that a light had been switched on in one of the bedrooms, streaming out into the hallway. Cautiously, Zoe stepped inside and immediately felt the temperature drop. It was a typical 60s bedroom, double bed, dressing table, and a built-in wardrobe. But sitting on the side of the bed was a little old lady in dark, lacy clothes. She looked up at Zoe with blank grey eyes and spoke. Her lips moved slowly, as though enunciating carefully, but no sound came out. She stared earnestly into Zoe's eyes, holding her hands out in front of her, like a fisherman telling a tall story. But Zoe couldn't work out what the woman was trying to tell her. Quite suddenly, the old lady began to fade out of existence, but just as she was becoming transparent, Zoe suddenly understood what she was silently mouthing. She was uttering the phrase, all we are, over and over again. And then she was gone. Apart from the ticking of an alarm clock and the frightened thumping of her heart, there was silence. Zoe wondered what to do next. She could search this room and risk another encounter with the ghost, or she could go back and see what caused the whispers outside. The ghost seemed to be the less threatening of the two. Looking about her, she noticed something glinting through the half-open wardrobe door. It was a small, shiny metal safe, the key still in the lock. This seemed as good a place as any for a secretive alien to put the plasmatic drive. Tucked in the box were half a dozen premium bonds and the deeds to the bungalow. She noted the family name, Cartwright, and the fact that they'd only bought the place four months ago. What a terrible thing to happen to an innocent family in the first year in a new home. Searching the rest of the room revealed nothing out of the ordinary, and so, with a certain trepidation, Zoe decided to investigate the room across the hall, strange voices notwithstanding. This was a child's bedroom. Toys were lying discarded on the floor. More were stuffed haphazardly into an overflowing cupboard. 
She remembered the horrific image of the family she'd seen. Fighting back the tears, she realized that, once again, fear and anger were getting the better of her. Perhaps the family was safe, and she'd just seen a nightmarish projection set there to scare people off. Whatever had happened, she still had to find this plasmatic drive and switch off its force field before it blew up. After another 20 minutes of methodical searching, Zoe sat down on the bed in despair. The doctor would have found the wretched thing in no time at all, but until he worked out a way of getting in, she was alone and she would have to cope. She shivered. The temperature was dropping again. Suddenly, the whispering voices restarted their babbling. Zoe took a step back towards the door. She was greeted by a blast of icy cold air from nowhere in particular. In the middle of the room, a sizzling black sphere appeared. It seemed to be sucking in the surrounding air like a manic vacuum cleaner. The voices had risen in both pitch and volume, sounding like the tormented souls of Dante's Inferno. The force increased, and Zoe felt herself being pulled towards it. The blanket was ripped from the bed and sucked into the malevolent maw. The rest of the bedclothes and a variety of toys followed. She grabbed the door handle with both hands, just as her feet were plucked from under her. She clung on for dear life, as all and sundry were swept away. Larger objects, such as the bed and the chest of drawers, were beginning to move. The shade was plucked from the light and engulfed by the black vortex. The door began to swing back and forth. Her fingers were slipping and she felt she couldn't hold on for much longer. A book of rhymes flew out of the cupboard. Then, all of a sudden, the black sphere vanished and the voices faded away into silence. Zoe fell to the ground, exhausted. The book dropped down beside her, and a jovial, red-nosed Santa Claus smiled up at her from the open page. She lay on the floor, grasping for breath, and as soon as she had the strength, staggered to her feet and lurched back into the relative safety of the hallway, slamming the bedroom door behind her. A painting on the wall caught her eye, a portrait of an old woman. Zoe looked closer, and to her surprise, she recognized the woman as the ghostly figure she'd seen earlier. An inscription on the bottom of the painting read, Eleanor Cartwright, 1883 to 1963. Zoe surmised that the old lady, probably the grandmother, had died long before the Cartwrights had moved into their new home. Therefore, she had not been kidnapped or killed by the aliens. It was also unlikely that she haunted the place. Logically, it could be that the aliens were using the image of the old lady to communicate. Did that mean they'd tried to communicate to the rest of the family and failed? What had the old lady been saying? All we are. A sudden thought struck her. What if the old woman had not been indicating the size of the plasmatic drive after all? What if she'd been showing the height of the aliens or how large their whole spaceship was? Now, that was something that the doctor hadn't considered. If it was not much bigger than, say, a cybermat, then perhaps the entire spaceship could be hidden inside the bungalow with her, not just the drive. 
She felt very pleased with her reasoning and was sure the doctor would be impressed, if only she could ever get to tell him. The only flaw in this idea was that her searching had already been extremely thorough and she'd looked practically everywhere except the loft. She was considering that a spaceship could get into the loft through a hole in the roof when she had another thought. What about the chimney? Her photographic memory recalled the page that the Book of Rhymes was open at when it fell on the floor beside her. When Santa got stuck up the chimney. Then she recalled the ashes stirring in the grate. A breeze through a force field that would not let people through? Could it really be that simple? If an out-of-control, miniature spaceship tried to make an emergency landing, could it conceivably fall down a chimney? Perhaps the aliens would see it as a refuge. The heat from the embers of the fire might be an attraction for them. Who knows? Zoe was convinced that if the spaceship was in the bungalow, then the plasmatic drive would still be with it. She raced back to the living room and crouched down on her hands and knees to peer up the chimney. She couldn't see anything, so she rolled up her sleeve and reached up as far as she could. A year ago, Zoe would have been disdainful about getting involved in anything messy. But after so many adventures with the doctor, putting her hand up an unknown chimney gave her only the slightest of reservations. As she felt around, soot and dirt crumbled away beneath her hand. But suddenly, her fingers touched a smooth, metallic surface. It was vibrating slightly. She pulled gently at the object and managed to dislodge it. It was roughly the shape of a rugby ball. Soot partially smothered its shiny grey surface. It was still vibrating in her hand. This almost certainly meant that the plasmatic drive was still going to blow up. An idea struck her. The aliens, or their spaceship, may have been reacting badly to the obscure angle at which they'd been stuck up the chimney. She placed the spaceship carefully down on the carpet and rolled it onto what she perceived to be its base. The vibrating stopped. Through the partially opened curtain, there was a flash of light. Zoe looked up. The garden was visible through the window. The force field had gone. Moments later, the doctor and Jamie piled through the back door, falling over each other in the process. Zoe heard the commotion, scooped up the spaceship and ran into the kitchen. Zoe, shouted Jamie, who was the first to get up. Ah, there you are, said Zoe, with, she felt, a pleasing show of restraint. She carefully held out the miniature spaceship for the doctor. Oh, the echo you, came a deep voice from behind her. The Cartwright family had been returned, blissfully unaware of their involvement in the drama. We came to get our ball back, thank you, said the doctor, quickly taking the spaceship from Zoe. He smiled disarmingly and ushered his companions quickly outside. A bewildered Mr. Cartwright turned to his wife and son, who, equally bewildered, stared back. Back in the TARDIS, Jamie and the Doctor were gathered around Zoe. I was worried about you all on your own in there. Zoe did very well, didn't you, Zoe? I'm very proud of you, said the Doctor. He smiled at his friends. 
How could we have known that we were looking for something so small? We might have wasted hours of precious time, whereas Zoe quickly deduced the truth. In fact, I think she's almost as clever as I am. Zoe suppressed a smug little smile, and Jamie laughed. Now, said the doctor, I don't know about you two, but I would really like a cup of tea. <laughs>